0: Hello health investor. Welcome back to another episode of the health investment podcast. I have been waiting my whole life for this episode. Okay, that's a slight exaggeration, but I have been waiting a long time. As you may know, I'm a wine lover, but I don't just love any wine. I love natural wine. That's why I reached out to Todd White, founder of Dry Farm Wines, several months ago. Todd is obviously a super busy guy, so I didn't know if I'd ever hear back. When I finally did, I was elated. Todd has been a serial entrepreneur and creator since he was age 17. Today, after 15 years in the wine business, his life is dedicated to educating and helping people make better choices about food, nutrition, and how they think about consuming alcohol. He is a leading authority on healthy organic and natural wines and on the importance of microdosing alcohol for health, longevity, and vitality. Todd's passion is unlocking the best way to enjoy alcohol so that wine drinkers can enjoy the benefits of moderate consumption while avoiding the negative outcomes. Todd's company, Dry Farm Wines is the only lab-tested, all-natural, health-quantified wine merchant in the world that biohacks wine, quantifying organic and natural farming practices as well as low-intervention natural winemaking practices. Dry Farm Wine curates all-natural, pure, real wines from all over the world, working with small family farms that are committed to producing pure, natural wines. Dry Farm Wines is also proud to be the largest natural wine merchant in the world, supporting small family organic farms all over the place. At the end of the episode, Todd was so gracious to give me a promo link to share with you. If you're interested in trying Dry Farm Wines for yourself, and I'm pretty sure you will be after you hear everything Todd has to say, you can visit dryfarmwines.com slash the health investment and get a bottle of wine with your first order for just one extra penny. As I mentioned, it's a subscription service, but the cool thing is that shipping is always free and you can pause your membership or cancel anytime. If there's anything people talk about more than the quality of Dry Farm Wine's products, it's probably their customer service. They pride themselves on offering customers 100% happiness guaranteed, and they truly mean it. I'm so excited to put this awesome company on your radar, and I know you're going to learn a ton from Todd today. I'm calling this episode Natural Wine 101 because, as you're going to see, Todd essentially teaches a crash course on the topic. By the end of the episode, you're going to know everything everything you could possibly want to know about natural wine. Enjoy, and don't forget to snag your penny bottle of wine at dryfarmwines.com slash the healthinvestment. Hi, I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and host of the Health Investment Podcast. Here's the thing, you deserve to feel amazing, but here's the other thing, there are so many confusing messages out there. Week after week, I'm gonna share tips and practices that actually work for simple weight loss and sustainable wellness, because I wanna help you get healthy for good, without any BS. When I'm not podcasting, I work with clients one-on-one. So visit the show notes to book your free consultation. And don't forget to leave a review so that others can become trim, energized, confident, BS-busting rock stars like you. Thanks for tuning in, enjoy the episode. Hi, Todd. Thank you so much for being with me here today on the Health Investment Podcast. I was just explaining to you off air that I have been dying to have a natural wine expert on the show, and I reached out to you first, and I'm so excited that it eventually worked out for me to chat with you today. So thanks again for being here.
1: I am super excited to be here. There is so much to learn about natural wine and natural wine revolution, and more importantly, what we call the dirty dark secrets of the wine business.
0: Oh, well, I can't wait to learn those. That's very exciting. Can you share a bit about your story and background and what led you to start Dry Farm Wines?
1: Well, Dry Farm Wines was really an accidental business, as many are. I was just trying to scratch an itch I had. I didn't know what natural wines were. I live in the heart of the Napa Valley and have for 21 or two years. And so I knew a lot about wine. I had made wine before. I have drank been drinking wine since I was nine years old. I know uh, I have drank a lot of wine and so I've just been a lifelong aficionado. But what happened, I, I started, I became ketogenic is really what triggered off about five years or six years ago I became keto and that's really what triggered off a change in my drinking habits. But I'd been a biohacker since and experimenting with fitness and you know, and, and nutritional programming or dieting since the 1980s, I had found that a low carbohydrate diet with the Atkins diet, Atkins diet in the eighties made it easy for me to sort of control weight gain. Mm. And I did I wasn't, I wasn't, didn't know what the keto, ketogenic diet was at the time, nor did few other people, but I did know eating lo, low carbohydrate, carbohydrate diet allowed me to, uh, to quickly lose weight. I would just use it uh, periodically. What happened next was that, you know, just throughout the years, I became a more dedicated biohacker. And today I have a whole series of regimens and rituals that I practice, including cold thermogenesis and intermittent fasting, extended fasting, different protocols for fasting and low carb and meditation and a whole long list of what I would call biohacks. But five or six years ago, I experimented with the ketogenic diet, which is very popular today, but five or six years ago was only just coming to the awareness of biohackers. And I started experimenting with it complete with, you know, blood testing and started off with urine sticks and then went to blood testing and experimented for a few years, for three years, probably with what I would call therapeutic ketogenic diet. Mm. That's a very rigid keto program. Right. Um, you know, 70 to 80% fat and the balance in moderate protein and and, um, and unrefined carbohydrate, primarily vegetables. So when I went, I, I, I went on it to break through a weight loss plateau. I mean, I was not heavy. I was just like, I had just, you know, flattened out. I was yeah. trying to lose another five pounds or so. Turns out I lost a lot more than that when I went on keto. And so, but... I couldn't drink standard wines anymore when this happened. They were making me sick. I didn't feel good. I was like getting terrible hangovers and brain fog in the morning. And I didn't know what it was. I thought it was alcohol. Actually, I thought I had become more sensitive to alcohol as a result of being keto. And that's a common side effect for many people. And so I I, and, and wine has we'll talk about alcohol, but wine. Alcohol levels in wine has been rising over the last 30 years, and now it's nearly 15% by volume in the United States, and many are much higher. That's just on average. And so I thought it was really alcohol. So what I did was I I was asked this friend of mine who was the smartest guy I knew in the wine business. He lives here in Napa Valley. And I asked him, I was like, how low, I was going to make some wine and remove the alcohol from it because there's a technical process that you can actually separate, you know, water and ethyl alcohol Mm. in a reverse osmosis, right? It's it's pretty simple. It's commonly done for wines that get too high in alcohol or are too hot. So it's a cheap process. I I knew a little bit about it, but I asked my friend, listen, I want to make some low alcohol wine because I think alcohol is just like having a really detrimental impact on my life. And I don't feel good drinking it, but I love wine. I don't love alcohol. And it also surprises many people to hear me say that alcohol is a very dangerous neurotoxin that destroys millions of lives, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think we have to be very conscious, careful, and deliberate about alcohol, which is why I only drink low alcohol wines today. And we'll talk about that shortly. So I asked him how low you could. We had a discussion, and in the discussion, he said, Have you had any of the low alcohol wines coming out of Europe? Because they certainly know low alcohol wines were pro- produced in the United States. Uh, still none, hardly, and there were certainly none at that time. So I went and started looking for these lower alcohol wines at an international wine store in San Francisco. And, um, the only way I could determine the alcohol levels was just look at the bottle
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And by law, and we'll talk about the corruption between the wine industry and the U S government and the politicians, but by law, just informationally, even the alcohol printed or stated on a wine bottle is not required by law to be accurate. Hmm. And so it can be as much as one and a half percent higher than what's printed on the label. We can talk about that again in a moment. So, but anyway, that was, that was, so accidentally, I'm not even thinking of this as a business, but accidentally I discover the very small emerging natural wine revolution that was going on in central France, just completely, completely by accident from a friend of a friend who I was talking to about low alcohol wines. And I was like, Hey, there's this one importer, um, that seems to import low-alcohol wines from Europe that I really like the taste of them. And uh, I searched, and I looked him up on Facebook, and I realized we had a very, we had a close mutual friend. Oh. So I called my mutual friend up, and I was like, hey, do you know this guy? He's like, yeah, he used to work for me. You know, now he imports natural wines. And I was like, what's a natural wine? Yeah. Because the term is very confusing to consumers. You know, you say, oh, I sell natural wine. They're like, aren't all wines natural? Yeah. And no, they're not for reasons that we're about to talk about. So that was sort of how it began. And then, see, I had made wine back in 2005 in Napa Valley. And so I knew something about analogy. I'm not a winemaker, but I knew about analogy and I knew about that there were labs that did quantified testing for uh, analogy characteristics and sugars and all kinds of other things. And, you know, hundreds of tests that could be run on wines. And so I'm still not think of it really quite as a business yet, but I'd get some of these wines that I like and I start putting them through lab tests and start developing this sort of quantification like a biohacker Mm -hmm. who's quantifying the wine based on the aesthetic, meaning the way it looks, smells, and tastes. That's the aesthetic of the wine. And then combining that with certain lab characteristics, some of which were of health interest to me and some were, of taste interest to me so that's sort of how I developed and I came up with a few wines and I started buying them and drinking them and drinking them a lot and sharing them with my friends and my friends were like oh wow I really like this wine you can like drink it because I would tell them is like you know you can drink like a bottle and you know you don't have a hangover or you know, you feel great, it tastes better, it's lower in alcohol, it's friendlier with food. And so that's when it sort of started to become a business. My friends were like, where can you get this wine? Yeah. I'm like, well, you can't. Right. I mean, you don't know what it is, right? And yeah. so because nobody's quantified it. And then we, so then I launched a business around it. Um, I'm going to, at the time I was not working and uh, I've been self-employed since I was 17. So I'm not employable. I was looking for a business to create. Hmm. Or I wanted to go back to work. And so I was like, I'm just going to launch the Healthy Wine Company. And since I'm a biohacker and I'm already super into the health field anyway, I'll just uh, sell it to people who care about what they put in their body. And then from there, I created a certification program to certify each wine meeting certain specific characteristics, which we'll talk about. So that's following that, you know, I, Dibble-dabbled around with it for a few months, and then I was lucky enough to become the official wine for Dave Asprey at Bulletproof Conference, Mm. Uh, and then uh, a few months later, I was a guest on Bulletproof Radio, and the next day, I was a guest on Mark Mark Sisson's podcast for Primal Kitchen, um, and the rest is kind of history. I've now been on a couple hundred podcasts, and we're known as the keto wine, the paleo wine, the sort of the healthy wine. We created this category a little bit by accident, and we still basically dominate the category. Nobody really cares as much about the things that we care about that we care about, right? And right. so we're sort of recognized as the leading authority. So that was that was how it got started. But let's talk a minute, and I know you'll have some questions for me, but just to kind of cram out all the important things to know in advance is the collusion between the wine industry, the wine lobby Uh and Washington DC and the massive corporate consolidation that has happened in the wine industry. Those are two really, really important factors to understand the secrets of the wine business, the dark secrets. They don't want you to know. And I've told a few million people. So it starts with the consolidation. And because we have 45 minutes to record, can't get deep into any of these topics, everything I'm going to share with you is easily verifiable with a Google search. So I'm not making this up. Mm -hmm. You you can go do the research. They don't make it easy for you to find, but it's out there. So what happened in the wine supply is exactly what happened in our food supply. Mm -hmm. So in our food supply, we've got eight to 10 companies that touch almost everything we eat. Right. Right. Now... In the wine business, you got the same thing. So today, the top three wine manufacturers make 52% of U.S. wines, just the top three.
2: Hmm. And the
1: top 30 wine companies in the U.S. make over 70% of wines. So when you go into the grocery store and you look down those long shelves of hundreds or thousands of bottles, those are all primarily made by a handful of people. Hmm. Now, they don't want you to know that. So they hide behind thousands of brands and labels, right? Yeah. To confuse you because these are multi billion dollar marketing conglomerates. So here's how they sell that wine to you. So they put the picture of a farmhouse or, or a chateau, or they want you to believe that, or in, you know, take Robert Mondavi as an example, which is a very famous wine company in the United States it's now owned by the largest the second largest wine company in the world and when they bought it from the mandavi family it was it was one thing it's a completely different thing today see when they bought it they paid 1.2 billion dollars for it and that was 15 years ago wow and so what happens is is that they then amplify the volume but the reason i thought of robert mandavi is because what you see on a robert mandavi label is a picture of the oakville winery which Uh is an iconic architectural uh, structure designed by Cliff May, who was a very famous at the time he's dead now, but he was a very famous mission style architect who and Robert Mondavi opened up what was really the first architectural showcase of the tasting room idea. So that's on the front of Robert Mondavi bottles, but see, that's not where it's made. Mm. You see, you got, wine pictures and chateaus and farmhouses. But in fact, these wines are made in massive factories in central California that are multiple football fields, big, Mm. right? Massive wine factories. That's where it's made. And they're not trying to make wine healthy. They're not trying to make it better for you. They're trying to make it cheaper and faster. Right. That requires the use of not only some pretty sophisticated technology, but also chemicals and additives. Mm -hmm. So the secret here is that there are 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking, 76. Now, why don't you know about those? Well, because the wine lobby has spent millions of dollars in lobby money to keep contents labeling and nutritional information, but let's just talk about contents labeling at the moment have kept contents labeling off of wine bottles because they don't want you to know what's really in it. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that that's now of the 76 additives, which you can easily find by searching FDA approved wine additives online, Google it'll go right to the government's page. You can look right down on it. Some of them are even natural. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying all the additives are unhealthy. Four of them are quite toxic, and one of them is highly toxic
2: mm. and it 's
1: called dimethyl dicarbonate. The others that are kind of ugly are known as ammonia phosphate and copper sulfate and so the, the, these these all of these toxins uh, dimethyl dicarbonate, which is marketed under the brand name Valcoran, tens of millions of gallons of California wine are treated with it every year. Hmm and it's so toxic that it has to be applied by specially licensed contractors who come in in hazmat suits nobody else can be in the winery for 24 hours after it's been applied if you got it on your skin or breathed it it would burn your lungs or burn your skin if you drank the wine within 24 hours of purchase it would likely kill you oh my gosh so this is this this now do i think you should drink dimethyl dicarbonate or valkyrin? No, I don't think you should. If you don't mind drinking it, that's okay. Mm -hmm. If you believe that it's safe, if you believe the government reports and you think that it's safe, because they have a whole story of safety around it. But I don't have an issue whether you want to drink or not. What I have an issue with is I think you should know that you're drinking it or not. Right. I think the label should have transparency to tell you whether or not these chemicals and what chemicals are in the wine.
0: Yeah, well, right? it's absolutely crazy that there is no <clears throat> ingredients label on right, wine. So,
1: right, so I, I that's, personally, I don't want to drink it, but if you want to drink it, I think you should know you're drinking it.
0: Exactly, and yeah.
1: Just like with other processed foods. Right. You know, you pick it up, there's a contents label on it, half or more of the contents you can't even pronounce, have no idea what they are, but you might still choose to eat, you know, a box of X. hmm And... You know that that's fine, but you've chosen. You've had at least the opportunity to see what's in it. And you can decide for yourself. You also have nutritional information, so you can see how much sugar's in it, mm-hmm. as an example. I live a largely sugar-free lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Largely, you know. Every once in a while, you know, I'll bend, but it's a few times a year. Day in and day out, I keep pretty vigilant about not eating sugar, meaning I don't eat commercial salad dressings or condiments or anything that anything that contains sugar. So because sugar is everywhere. And mm-hmm. when we talk about addictive and toxic and dangerous drugs, I think sugar is the single most wide abused addictive drug on the planet. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I have real strong feelings about sugar and our health. I don't want to drink it in my wine, which is one of the reasons that we certify that our wines are sugar free by lab testing them. Right. So, right. So every single wine that we sell is independently lab tested by an independent onologist happens to be in Napa Valley. And so this this is, uh, we take this, I drink the same wines that we sell, and we all are super, super dedicated to this mission. It's one of the reasons that we've been endorsed by over a thousand health leaders and including everybody at the top of the chain that you've heard of, Mark Sisson, Dave Asprey, Dr. David Perlmutter, uh, Mark Hyman, So the list is JJ Virgin, the list is like a mile long. Right. And the reason I think one of the reasons that we've been so successful in, in having all these people endorse us and, and write about us is because we are also the official wine for every forward-looking health and performance conference in the U.S., included Upgraded Labs, Bulletproof, Paleo FX, so on and so forth. We do 142 events last year in the health space, and so all over the world. Yeah. Biohacking summit in London. So so people know us. And so when they come and they meet us and they can see our passion and the fact that we happen to be ripped out, yeah. right? And we're in great shape. And we walk the walk. So we're seriously committed to living a lifestyle. We don't we're not really in the wine business. We're in the health food business that is a lifestyle. Yeah. And so that's kind of how we think about it. And and um so You know, let let me just define for you categorically what a natural wine means.
0: Oh, I was going to ask that. Nice, (laughs) nice.
1: I've done a few of these. Yeah, I can tell. (laughs) So natural wine is a very specific category of wine. It's a tiny category of wine. It represents less than than one-tenth of one percent of all wines in the world. Wow. There's less than... 1,500 natural wine growers in the world. There are a couple hundred thousand winemakers and wine brands in the world. And so it's a really, really tiny category. And the other thing about natural wine that keeps it tiny is you can't make any real money doing it Mm. because natural wines can't be made in very large quantities. And I'll explain to you why in a moment. So natural wines are made by small family farms, uh, there's very little in the U.S. and no wines in the U.S. currently meet our standards of of purity and health.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So there's probably about 25 natural winemakers in the United States, give or take, but none of them make wine exactly to our criteria. But we'll get to that in a second. So natural wine. Now, Dry Farm Wines, let me cover a couple other things. Dry Farm Wines, my company is at the minimum natural wine, but then we have additional criteria that the natural wines have to meet. So our certification, our standard is higher than just being natural. Oh, okay. We have, a, we have a couple of other additional requirements that I'll talk about in a moment. So natural wine w- first must be And these standards I'm telling you about are internationally recognized. In fact, France just last week announced that they were creating a natural wine certification. It is the first country in the world Mm. to create a certification for natural wines. And so that announcement just came out last week. It's an outstanding development because now we get to sort of get somebody to legitimize this. Hopefully other countries will get on. But within the wine community, within the natural wine community and within the wine community... For those who are educated about natural wine, there is a very standard understanding of what that means. Mm -hmm. And everybody agrees on that. There's no debate about what a natural wine is for people who know what natural wine is, right? Okay. And and so, um, but there's no certifying body for it. Although, as I said, Dry Farm Wines has its own certification process, which is over and above just natural. But to begin, what everyone agrees with a natural wine is, is that it is grown organically or Biodynamically.
2: Okay.
1: Right? Biodynamic farming is a prescriptive form of advanced organic farming. Right? So uh, we don't need to go down the wormhole of what it all contains, but you can research it if you're interested. It's just an advanced form and a prescriptive form of organic farming. Number two, uh, that the wines are fermented with wild native yeast that is indigenous to the vineyard where the grape is grown. Hmm. Now, this is a big, this is a very big deal. And this is why you can't make, this is one of the reasons why you can't make natural wine in very large quantities. Mm-hmm. See, commercial wines, all the wines you see in the store. Yeah. All of those are fermented with genetically modified commercial lab grown yeast.
0: Oh.
1: 100%, all of them. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason that you use this genetically modified lab cultured yeast is because it's been modified to be sturdy and strong and stable, and it's easy to use in ferments where a wild native yeast is finicky, it's delicate, it's fragile, it's temperamental. It's not as easy to work with, and you can't make wine in very high volumes with it. It's just mm-hmm. too unstable. Mm-hmm. See, every single wine berry in the world at the time of harvest is covered with yeast. Hmm. It's collected in the air. It's It, it has a, a waxy, kind of whitish appearance oh, to yeah, it. Oh,
0: yeah, right.
1: That's that's yeast. Okay. And so the very first thing that that the commercial winemaker does when he presses the juice from the skin and is preparing to ferment is that he pours sulfur dioxide mm. into the juice to kill the native yeast because he doesn't want the yeast competing uh. to kill the native yeast so he can inoculate it with this lab grown yeast. I see. The other, the other two other advantages, of the lab grown yeast for the winemaker is that these, genetically modified lab yeast will withstand a high alcohol environment that the native yeast will not. The native yeast will die from too high alcohol. And alcohol is very commonly very high in wines. And as I mentioned earlier, sometimes they have to even remove it. Right. So, and then the second, the third reason that they use these modified yeast is that you can buy yeast that produce certain flavor profiles. Mm -hmm. Okay. What I mean by that is let's say that you grow some industrial grapes in central California. You want them to taste like they're from Italy. You want mm-hmm. them to taste like they're in Mediterranean. They have, a, they have a yeast for that.
0: I see. All
1: right. So so you've got commercial, you've got natural wine, organic, biodynamic, and always native yeast fermentation, wild yeast fermentation. Very important. Number four, no additives, no mm-hmm. adjustments, nothing in, nothing out. Um, and, uh, no sterilization, no sterilization processes. All commercial wines are sterilized. Mm. They're sterilized in a couple of different ways. They can be what's called sterile filtered
2: Mm -hmm.
1: or, and they be sterilized with high doses of sulfur dioxide at bottling. What that does is fundamentally change the taste of the wine, but it also makes it very shelf stable Mm. and, um, Using small amounts of sulfur, which has been used since the Romans in, in wine preservation or stabilization, how much sulfur you add is the, is the critical issue. Is it a dose of sulfur that stabilizes the wine but does not preserve it or sterilize it? Mm. See, when you go to preservation and sterilization, now you're you're killing anything and everything that's alive in the wine, including gut-friendly bacteria that exist in natural wines, which is what why Dr. David Perlmutter, who's probably the best-recognized gut health and gut immune authority in the United States right now and has written best-selling books around it, endorses us and has written about us and um, has uh, spoken about us repeatedly, is because in natural wine, which has not been sterilized or preserved, You still have living bacteria in it. Right. And so, but that creates other issues. So natural wines are not going to age like for 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. You'll have some bottle to bottle variation. Mm -hmm. Now, commercial wines don't want that. You know, you'll have, um, you know, until you preserve and sterilize something, it's a living product, Mm -hmm. but that living product happens to be healthier for you. Right. So that's the, that's the general, that's the consensus of what makes a natural wine. Now, for dry farm wines, we also require that it be dry farmed. Mm-hmm. That means no irrigation. Mm-hmm. Um, most natural wines are irrigation free, but not all and hardly any in the U.S., which is one of the reasons that we don't. There's almost no dry farming in the United States, less than, less than 1% of United States vineyards are dry farmed.
0: What's the perk of dry farming? Is it just water conservation or are there other perks?
1: No, 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 no. It's way deeper than oh, that. Okay. And again, on any, I'm, I'll touch on a couple of high points on it. On any of these topics, we could go down a deep wormhole <laughs> yeah, sure. just on irrigation for 15 minutes. Right. But let me just give you a couple things, most of which is common sense, right? Uh-huh. Let's start with the common sense ones. Why do you irrigate? You get a higher yield and you get fruit that weighs more. Well, why does it weigh more? Well, when fruit's filled with water and it gets more yield of, of berries, it weighs more. It might not surprise you. That's about money and greed. Yeah. Wine, sold by, wine grapes are sold by the ton. The more it weighs, the more it's worth. All right. So that's why you irrigate. That's, it's also cheaper to farm an irrigated plant because dry farming requires a whole lot more work. So it's cheaper. Okay. And it sells for more. And um, and then why you shouldn't irrigate is it is bad for the planet,
2: uh-huh.
1: it is bad for the vine, and ultimately it is less healthy for the person drinking it. And here are the reasons why. This None of this is my opinion. There are studies published on this. Irrigated grapes as well as non-organic grapes are lower in polyphenols, flavonoids, and antiflavonoids that impart – the health benefit from drinking wines. These are the health compounds that are found in wines. Mm-hmm. The most famous polyphenol is called resveratrol, which no doubt most people or many people have heard of. Uh, we can get back to that in a moment when I tell you about how wine is made and why red wine contains four times the polyphenols that white wine does. We'll get to that in a second. So so the, the irrigation creates less healthy fruit. So the polyphenols are lower in irrigated fruit. They're also lower in non-organic fruit. Those are scientific facts. Then on top of that, it, it, it imparts, it compromises significantly the quality of the taste of the fruit
2: hmm.
1: and the depth of the fruit. Common sense might tell you that it's not surprising when you fill a grape berry with water, it dilutes everything, not only the health properties, but it dilutes the character of the fruit as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, and so it's less healthy, but then it doesn't t- the fruit doesn't taste as good, which is why it's illegal in most of Europe to irrigate a grapevine. So people say in California, you know, we have to irrigate, it's hot and dry here. And it's like, that's simply not true. Grapevines have been living all over the planet for over 10,000 years in some of the harshest climates in the world, including places like Greece or places like Sicily and Italy, which is basically a volcanic island that is super hot and super dry. Right. And uh, there's no irrigation there either. Right. And so it's true that there are some places, you know, like central France, where it's moist and cooler. And it's easier to farm without irrigation, but it's not required anywhere and not used. We sell wines from all over the all over the planet, certainly in some very harsh and dry places, and they are dry farmed. Hmm. So it's you know, so so it 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 also it also leads to an alcohol problem um, and and to a style problem with wines that I personally don't like. And it also leads to higher alcohol, and here's why. Now we'll get into talking about the winemaking process for a second because one of the most common questions we get is um, how are your wines sugar-free? Yeah. And so and we'll cover all of that in the winemaking lesson of the day, right? <laughs> how you make wine and how uh, why our wines are sugar-free because it's probably the most common question we get. Um, so because we do independent lab testing, which I'm going to talk about, because the only way to know if a wine is sugar free is to lab test it. Okay. That I mean that's just period end of story. Yeah. We we reject wines all the time that contain sugar that we can't test cannot t- taste right. even though we're taste experts because of the acid in wine because of the acidity in wine it can have it can have an unacceptable amount of sugar in it to us. Yeah. And not taste sweet. So sugar in wine ranges from Uh, zero Uh to, you know, categorically, I don't, I've never, never tested a wine, but categorically international standards is up to 300 grams per liter.
0: And that's even in natural wines. It can have a lot of sugar.
1: No, 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 no. You would never see that. You would always see that very high level, like in ice wines or dessert wines or wines that are super, super sweet. Yeah. No standard red wines in the grocery store can be from five to 25 grams per liter. Oh, wow. To give you a comparison, Coca-Cola is 32 grams per liter.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: So, so, so that's, you know, so we don't accept a wine that, that our wines have to test out at below one gram per liter. Hmm. So, which is statistically sugar free at the glass level. Okay. I mean, it's just not measurable. Right, right. So, and we just on lab testing for a moment, but So, for a wine to come to our tasting panel, which is six or seven people on our tasting panel. Yeah. For a wine to be tasted by us, it must already be natural. Uh Uh-huh. Right? It's got to be natural. And it has to be 12.5% in alcohol or lower before we'll even taste it. Okay. All right? So, because we don't sell any wine over 12.5%, we sell wines as low as 7%. The wines I drink generally day-to-day are between 9 and 11%. That's okay. just kind of the taste of wine I like. And remember I said early on, I don't love alcohol. Yeah. I like alcohol in the right dose. I don't love alcohol at all, but I do love wine. And I like the ritual of wine, and I like the experience of wine, and I like the love that wine creates. And we'll, we can talk about that because there's some real benefits to drinking wine. And love is one of those benefits mm-hmm. because everybody you share wine with, you get to share love with, and so it's it's just really a special thing. But so on lab testing of all the wines that we taste, we only accept thirty two percent of the wines that we taste. Hmm. The rest of them are eliminated either from poor lab results, meaning they don't meet our criteria. Mm-hmm. They're still natural, um, but but they may contain sugar or. They could have other lab issues. Um, they could, sulfur could be too high. See sulfites. Sulfites are naturally occurring in any fermented product. Okay. And in wines, sulfites can be naturally occurring as high as seventy parts per million, which is our limit. Okay. We want most of the wines that we buy are between five and twenty part, parts, and what? those are all now nat- yeah. five and twenty parts per million.
0: Why do you? Why are sulfites bad for us?
1: Well, we we don't really know that we we don't really know that they are or are, are not. There's not really sufficient studies. Nobody's asserting that they're particularly harmful. And as I said, sulfur has been used to preserve wine, stabilize wine since since the Roman times. Yeah. But what it does do for sure is it changes the taste of the wine uh-huh. because it kills everything living in the wine. It kills all the gut friendly bacteria we were talking about earlier. Got it. It kills. It kills. Anything that's alive in the wine, that also fundamentally changes the taste of the wine. Okay. And it McDonaldizes it. So yeah. what you know, this is what commercial wines are. They get mummified with sulfur dioxide and then they become McDonaldized. Mm-hmm. So the same bottle tastes like the same bottle, tastes like the same bottle, and people keep buying it over and over and over again. Right. right. And so because we get acclimated to our palate, we all tend to we all tend to believe that we're much more ambitious in what we eat and drink than we are. If we catalog what we eat and drink, it's generally very habitual, Mm -hmm. right? We go to the same restaurant, we usually get the same thing. Yeah. So, uh, and so we, we like this kind of consistency and predictability. I don't, but (laughs) you know, but people, the other thing is our wines are, are lighter and more fresh and energetic. And that appeals to people who eat like I do. It uh-huh. doesn't appeal to people who have a dead palate that has been, you know, desensitized with processed foods and you know heavy amounts of sugar. Right. So the um, so um, so the lab testing or the aesthetic. Here's the other problem with natural wines. See, natural wines not all great. The problem with natural wine, and this is celebrated in much of the natural wine community, which is basically a bunch of hipsters like in Brooklyn <laughs> or. Uh, Silver Lake in Los Angeles, and you know, just where you find natural wine restaurants and bars. Um, they're not generally found across the U.S. They're only in specific markets. Yeah. And so the, um, it's been largely kind of cultivated by the hipsters. But the problem with natural wine and why we reject so many is because they contain what we consider to be classic faults.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, Bratomyces is the most common one. And so and remember we talked about Valcarun or uh, uh, dimethyl dicarbonate earlier, that chemical is used to treat bretomyces in wine. But bretomyces is a fault, a technical fault in wine, that we won't purchase a wine that has bretomyces in it. It's not oh. harmful for you. it just impacts the way it smells and tastes. We don't like it. So a, a natural wine can oftentimes, because they don't use sulfur dioxide, it can be what's called mousy. Uh, it has a mousiness to it. You can, it's kind of a mouse fur at the back of the palate. It's just a weird thing. Uh, yeah. Um, it can be, um, um, it can be barnyardy. It can be funky.
2: <laughs> we, we
1: won't buy these wines. And I- so, um and and they're quite common in the natural wine world, and they are oftentimes celebrated by people who are, um, people who are dedicated to 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 the natural wine revolution and the enjoyment of natural wines. Oftentimes, embrace and like these faults. We just don't like them. We're kind of classic. We love classic styles of wine mm-hmm. that are just alive and fresh and better.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: the problem is, without using sulfur dioxide and other chemicals and additives many natural wines have these faults and so we won't buy them and so that's the reason that you know our purchase rate is so low um and the reason we have to work with so many farms uh is because you know we just don't buy that many wines that uh, we only buy about 32 percent of the ones that we end up tasting and so Let's move on to the sugar-free thing and how wine is made and the polyphenol, and then we can get to maybe you have some questions, but this is the final kind of part of the lesson that is useful for people to know. Mm-hmm. So how you make wine is that you press the juice from the berries using what's called a bladder press usually. You press the juice from the berries. Remaining behind are the skins and the seeds and some stems,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Uh, and then you that juice when it's squeezed is is pumped into a tank and then this is where the yeast comes in if it's if it's a commercial wine then they inoculate it with they pour sulfur dioxide in kill the native yeast and inoculate it with with um, with commercial yeast or if it's a natural wine they, allow a spontaneous fermentation to occur, meaning that the present yeast already there in the juice activates at a certain temperature. Yeast won't activate if it's too cold. They activate, and the yeast eats the sugar. That's the food source for the yeast. Mm -hmm. The byproduct of that, when the yeast are eating the sugar, they emit carbon dioxide and ethyl alcohol. That's how you make wine. Mm-hmm. Now, if the wine is allowed to fully ferment, meaning that the yeast is allowed to eat all of the available sugar, then the yeast will die and the wine will be sugar-free. That's a winemaking style. Not all natural wines are sugar-free. Um, m- most are, but not, not all. And so it's a winemaking style to disrupt the... Um, fermentation, and you can do that in a couple of different ways. The most common way for commercial winemakers to do is to, again, introduce sulfur dioxide back into the wine to kill the uh, commercial yeast in advance of a complete fermentation, and that leaves behind residual sugar or in the industry known as RS. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, why do they do this? It's a winemaking style. Wines with sugar in them have Long finishes, they have more mouthfeel, they have more density, uh, and they taste different than sugar-free wines, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and they also have high levels of glycerol in them, which is another high sugar byproduct that creates mouthfeel and quote long finishes. And so um that's um That's basically how, that's the basic alcohol making formula and how you get sugar in or out of wine. Sugar is not added to wine. It gets in wine because the fermentation process is intentionally broken by the winemaker Mm. as a style. Now, red and white wines are a little bit different. White wines ferment with free run juice, meaning that the juice is, is pressed from the berries The skin, the seeds, and the stems are discarded, and the wine ferments in a barrel, in a tank. Mm -hmm. Red wine, and this is why red wine has over 800 polyphenols as opposed to the just over 200 in white wine, red wine gets a different treatment. This is how it gets its color as well. So red wine is pressed. The juice goes into a tank, and then the, ste- the seeds, the skins, and the stem are added into the tank with the juice, and that's how it gets its color. If you squeeze the juice from a red wine grape and the juice from a white wine grape, they're both clear or mm-hmm. relatively clear. Oh, interesting. Uh, red wine gets its color from contact with the skin. It also gets its increase in polyphenols, Um, from contact with the skin and the seeds, and it gets an increase in tannins. The structure of tannins in red wine also come Mm -hmm. from contact from the skins and the stems and the seeds. But that's why red wine contains more than four times the polyphenols or the healthy compounds found in wines than uh, white wines do. So,
0: well, that's good news because I like red wine better. <laughs> I'm a red
1: wine drinker. It just it's just a uh, it just happens to be my uh, drink of choice, and uh, right. it's not uh, uh, nothing against white wines, but you know, a lot of women can't drink red wine mm. until they discover our red wine. Uh, we come in contact with thousands of them every year at health conferences. They're like, you know, I only drink white wine. I can't drink red wine anymore. I love it, but I can't drink it. it gives me a headache. It makes me feel bad. I get flush. And um, I'm saying, well, you know what? That's not going to happen with our wines. It never happens with our wines because what you're feeling is generally um, very high biogenetic amines like tyramine and histamine that are found commonly in commercial wines because of the way they're made. Uh, huh. and because of their extraction level, what's called extraction in the winemaking process, or the, um, uh, the 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 maceration period, the time that the wine has contact with the skin and the seed. Mm. Uh, because extractions create a bigger, bolder, richer wine, right? So does higher alcohol. Mm-hmm. When you remove alcohol, you remove density from wine as well. And so these extractions, though, have some negative health impacts for certain people you know particularly women uh, or people as they age and so it's it's a uh it's a notable difference a, a very notable difference so surely you must have some questions as we come up on our last 10 minutes
0: real quick i want to take a break from the episode to share one of my favorite resources with you one of the bs messages floating around out there is that eating healthy costs too much Honestly, I used to believe this myself. That is, until I discovered thrivemarket.com. Thrive Market is an online grocery platform that's essentially Costco meets Trader Joe's meets Whole Foods. I love that I can shop on their mobile app and have all of my favorite groceries, everything from natural wine to 100% grass-fed beef to nutritious crackers, everything, delivered right to my door. Last year, I saved over $1,000 shopping on Thrive. I honestly can't think of one reason not to love it. To save a percentage off your first order and see my full shopping list, click through the links in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. So, I'm wondering if you, let's say, don't have access to your wines and you're visiting a store or you're at a restaurant, is what do you look for to identify a natural wine kind of out in the wild if you will, if you don't? Well,
1: out in the wild it's pretty impossible. Uh, oh. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty impossible. The best, I mean, the best shake that you have is, um, here's how I approach it. I mean, if I'm, which is super, super rare because I yeah. travel with wine. I mean, if I take a trip, wine goes with me. If, uh, if I'm traveling in Europe, I'm staying in places, I'm staying either with natural wine makers, uh, they give me natural wine when I'm traveling, yeah. or if I'm staying in places like Paris or London or you know, Vienna or, you know, any major city is I have favorite natural wine bars and restaurants that I'd regularly go to. So there is an, there's an app, there's a smartphone app called Raisin that is the natural wine app Uh uh, that is the most popular. It's really the only natural wine app. Not everybody's on it, but Uh it's very, it works very well in Europe. It works very well in major cities. Uh, if you're in Kansas city, it's not going to work, right? So it Uh kind of depends on where you're at, but you know, it works very well in New York, very well in Los Angeles, very well. in. and, uh, so if it's, if, if, if it's on the Raisin app, then you can just ask the bartender or the wine director at the restaurant to recommend, you know, a natural wine, if Uh it's on the app, because even if it's on the app, it might not be a hundred percent natural wine list. It might just mean they have some natural wines. So you would have to ask, you would have to ask somebody at, that buys the wine or no, has some knowledge of the wine on that list. As for stores, they're also listed. And Raisin has listings for bars, retail stores, and restaurants. Oh, cool. For stores, and the same thing goes true for restaurants and bars, in any city you're in, you can do a Google search for natural wine in that city, and okay. you may find a list there there are a ton of those in New York or, yeah. you know, it depends on where you're at. You know, you, you might find there's, there are only a handful of natural wine retailers in the U S you know, maybe there's um, maybe there's eight in New York, maybe mm-hmm. there's eight in Los Angeles, maybe there are five in San Francisco, right. That, mm-hmm. that have an exclusive approach or a general approach to natural wine. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't
1: go into, you're not going to go into a standard wine shop and they're going to have natural wines. That's just not how it works. Yeah. And if you walk in and ask them about additives, natural wine, they have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. I've done that before.
1: <laughs> right. And so, and so, I mean, they look at you, they're just clueless. Yeah. And and they don't even know anything about it. There's a, I live in Napa Valley. There's a lot of people here know nothing about additives. Uh, and so the, um, so then, then, you know, if all else fails, then I generally uh, look for two things. If okay. if all else fails, you're not going to find natural wine in the grocery store. End of story. And just uh-huh. just to make this point known, see, natural wines don't make high, you can't make them in high enough volume to sell to somebody like Whole Foods.
0: Yeah. Right. Right.
1: Whole Foods puts a skew into their system. They've got to be able to buy lots of it. Right. No natural wine producers make that kind of volume. And so and so when you see a wine that says it's organic or biodynamic Mm. at Whole Foods and they're in there, that does not mean that they're natural. It means that they were farmed organically or biodynamically. It does not mean that they're additive free. It does not Mm -hmm. mean they were uh, fermented with wild native yeast. It means they were organically farmed.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so this can also be confusing to people, but if all else fails, then, um, I'm going to, uh, if I'm in a grocery store, right. You're not going to find much organic farming there. If any at all, then I would go to France mm-hmm. and I'd probably look for, for the Beaujolais region, okay, which is, which is, which is going to be dry farmed. And I'm going to start then looking for lower alcohol. I'm going to look for 12 or 12.5%. Okay. And because I know the wine, the style of the wine is going to be more cautious. Yeah. Just because it's lower alcohol.
0: What about so the Loire Valley?
1: Yeah, Loire. Okay. Oh, if you can find Loire, I, Loire is the birthplace of natural wine. That's
0: what I thought. So you can,
1: okay. Yeah, I mean, you can find Loire, but you're not going to go in the grocery no, store no. and find Loire wines.
0: No, but sometimes on restaurant menus, I've noticed. No,
1: if you go into a fine wine shop, uh-huh. if it's, if it's nice enough, they'll have a Loire section. Okay. And so Loire, yeah, I was talking about grocery store.
0: Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah.
1: If I'm in a fine bottle shop, I'm going go to go to Loire first. Okay. First is going to be the first place anywhere in the world because there's yeah. more natural wine per capita there than anywhere else. And so even if I don't know the wine, then I'm going to start looking for certain characteristics. Uh, even the label type, if you've if you've drank and seen a lot of natural wines, oftentimes the labels are kind of handmade, like the winemaker mm-hmm. drew them. Yeah, right. So I'm going to look for certain characteristics that tell me that the wine is natural. Right, right. It may even say natural on the. It, it may refer to it on the. There will just be telltale signs. If you're if you can find a Loire section, and if you're looking at a Loire section on a wine list and a in a restaurant, you're going to have to ask the wine director.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And so, uh, but yeah, that, that would be, so if I'm just in the grocery store, kind of look for France, I'm going to start looking for low alcohol. I'm going to start looking for something that looks more natural. Right. Yeah. That's not going to be, it's probably not. It's just, I'm looking to drink something that's probably going to make me feel better than if I drank this other stuff. Definitely. Right. And then, and then, um, and, and the reason I look at, Loire, if they have a section, never in the grocery store. But Beaujolais, which will be in the grocery store, which is all red wine in Beaujolais, and I only drink reds, is Gamay, mm. and um, and so that's uh, that's sort of how I would approach that. If um, again, if you're in a bottle shop and it's and it's particular enough, then. Um, Um, then, you know, you go to, to Loire or ask the shop owner if they know many times they don't. Depends on where you live. Yeah. You know, it just depends on where you live. And then, um, and then of course, you know, the only way to get dry farm wines is buy it from us because we don't sell to restaurants or retailers.
0: Right. Can you explain then my final question? I know you have shared so much of your time, but what would be the best place for listeners to find and follow you?
1: Well, we're Dry Farm Wines on All Social. Okay. And um, and it's dryfarmwines.com um, for our um, for our um, website. Okay. And we're a wine club. If you sell up if you sign up for our mail list, go onto to our website and sign up for our for our email list, you'll get special offers throughout the month that are not subscription based. They'll just be like, Hey, we're doing this special offer on this, that, or the other. But we're a wine club because we, because I wanted to help regular wine drinkers
2: mm-hmm.
1: because regular wine drinkers were the people that was me. Yeah, I needed the most help. You know, somebody drinks once a week or once a month doesn't need the same amount of help as somebody who drinks every day. Most of our members drink, you know, regularly. Uh huh. And so, um, and so our goal was to help regular wine drinkers. So we're a wine club. The bottles are not expensive for handcrafted fine wine product. It's, they mm-hmm. average twenty five dollars a bottle? They're all the same price. We have a very simple program. It's one hundred fifty nine dollars, shipping included, and that's a big deal because wine's heavy, right? Uh, and then it's two ninety nine for a twelve bottle case, and you can have any frequency of delivery you want. Monthly, we have people that get shipments weekly. Huh. Uh, you can get it quarterly, what every other month, whatever whatever your drinking frequency is that that you need. So it's a very you know, it's a very simple, uh, very simple program, and uh, you know, and 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 it works. It works very, very, very well. Listen for your listeners. I'm going to give you a special offer. Oh, that's um, exciting! Yeah, uh, let's just make this easy. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give your listeners a penny bottle of wine. All right, okay. all they have to do is they go to dryfarmwines.com dot uh-huh. forward slash the health investment. Awesome. That's dry, D-R-Y, farm, F-A-R-M, wines with an S, dot com, forward slash, the health investment. And they're going to get a penny bottle of wine.
0: That's awesome. A gift I from you.
1: That.
0: Thank you. That's so nice. I really appreciate that. And I so appreciate all of your knowledge and your time. And yeah, just thanks for being here.
1: Nice. Thanks so much for having me. As you know, I got a hop. Sorry about I that. I do know but, that. Uh, we didn't get to talk about love and wine, but maybe that next time.
0: <laughs> next time.
1: All right. Thanks so much for having me. Take care well,
0: that's all for today. Before the next episode drops, I'd love to chat with you one-on-one about the BS messages and methods currently holding you back. You deserve simple weight loss and sustainable wellness. So let's figure out how to make both happen. To book your free consultation, click through the link in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Health Investment Podcast. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs.